Good morning, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Learning to Fly the Podcast. Today's episode is all about nature poems. As such, you can't have an episode about nature poems without one by Robert Frost. So this is Putting in the Seed. You come to fetch me from my work tonight when supper's on the table, and we'll see if I can leave off burying the white. Soft petals fallen from the apple tree. Soft petals, yes, but not so barren quite. Mingled with these, smooth bean and wrinkled pea. And go along with you, ere you lose sight of what you came for and become like me. Slave to a springtime passion for the earth. How love burns through the putting in the seed. On through the watching for the early birth, when, just as the soil tarnishes the weed, the sturdy seedling with anchored body comes, shouldering its way and shedding the earthly crumbs. I love that poem. This next one is Wild Pansy by Lisa Bellamy. As a seed, I was shot out the back end of a blue jay. When, heedless, she flew over the meadow, she had swallowed me in my homeland when she spied me, lying easy under the sun. Briefly, I called her mother, before I passed through her gullet like a ghost. In a blink of an eye, I was an orphan. I trembled where I fell, alone in the dirt. That first night was a long night. Early May and chilly, and I remember rain filled my furrow. I called out for mercy. Only a wolverine wandered by. I cursed my luck. I cursed the happenstance of this world. I smelled his hot stink, but he nosed me deep into the mud. This was a gift of obscurity. I germinated, hidden from the giants of the earth, the jostling stalks, the various boisterous bloomers, and this was my salvation. After seven days and nights, I pushed through. Yes, here I am, kissable, your tiny purple profusion. The next poem I want to share is titled... Where'd it go? The Fire by Katie Ford. When a human is asked about a particular fire, she comes close. Then it is too hot, so she turns her face. And that's when the forest of her bearable life appears, always on the other side of the fire. The fire she's been asked to tell the story of. She has to turn from it. So the story you hear is that of pines and twitching leaves, and how her body is like neither. All the while there is a fire at her back, which she feels in fine detail, as if the flame were a dremel and her back its etching glass. You will not know about the fire simply because you asked. When she speaks of the forest, this is what she's teaching you. You who thought you were her master. This next one is titled Hummingbird by Robin Becker. And this poem has a really funny story in my uh, world. So I wanted to share it with you guys today. When I was about eight years old, my mom had a friend who 
was very much in love with hummingbirds. So she spent a lot of time gardening and putting in these really beautiful ornate hummingbird feeders. Anytime that we went to visit this friend, whether it was to bake cookies with her or for her to watch us for a little bit or just to kind of go by and say hi, she and I would walk through the garden and spot as many hummingbirds as we could. If we could find 10 or more, she had a little treat for my brother and I. If we didn't, she would read us this poem. So every time that I hear it, I think of her and I think of all the little adventures we had. And anytime I see a hummingbird, I wonder how she's doing. So this is Hummingbird by Robin Becker. I love the whir of the creature come to visit the pink flowers in the hanging basket as she does most August mornings. Hours away from starvation to store enough energy to survive overnight. The Aztecs saw the refraction of incident light on wings as resurrection of fallen warriors. In autumn, when daylight decreases, they double their body weight to su survive the flight across the Gulf of Mexico. On next to nothing, my mother flew for 85 years. After her death, she hovered, a bird of bones and air. This next poem is Merry Autumn, and it's by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. It's all a farce, these tales they tell about the breezes sighing and moans astir over field and dell because the year is dying. Such principles are most absurd. I care not who first taught them. There's nothing known to beast or bird to make a solemn autumn. In solemn times when grief holds sway with countenance distressing, you'll note the more of black and gray will then be used in dressing. Now purple tints are all around. The sky is blue and mellow, and e'en the grasses turn the ground from modest green to yellow. The seed burrs along with laughter crack on feathered some, on feather weed and jimson, and leaves that should be dressed in black are all decked out in crimson. A butterfly goes winging by, and singing bird comes after, and nature all from earth to sky is bubbling over with laughter. The ripples wimple on the rills like sparkling little lasses, and sunlight runs along the hills and laughs among the grasses. The earth is just so full of fun it can't contain it. The streams of mirth so freely run, the heavens seem to rain it. Don't talk to me of solemn days and autumn times of splendor, because the sun shows fewer rays, and these grow slant and slender. Why, it's the climax of the year, the highest time of living, till naturally its bursting cheer just melts into Thanksgiving. This next one that I want to share is Mulberry Fields by Lucille Clifton. They thought the field was wasting. 
And so they gathered the marker rocks and stones, piled them into a barn. They say that the rocks were shaped, some of them scratched with triangles and other forms. They must have been trying to invent some new language. They say the rocks went to build that wall that guard there guarding the manor, and some few were used for the state house. Crops refused to grow. I say the stones marked an old tongue, and it was called eternity, and it pointed towards the river. I say that after the collection, no pillow in the big house dreamed. I say that somewhere under here, Molders, once called Alice, whose great-grandson is now two and refuses to talk about the slavery. I say that all the master's table, only one plate is for supper. I say no seed can flourish on this ground once planted and forsaken. Wild berries warm a field of bones. Bloom, how you must say I. Listen to the trees who tell the future in whispered leaves. Who will it sing then after they are gone? I would like to pause here to talk about today's sponsor and then I will return with more poetry about nature. All right, and the final poem for today is just titled Sonnet by Alice Dunbar Nelson. I had no thought of violets of late, the wild shy kind that spring beneath your feet in wistful April days, when lovers mate and wander through the fields in rapture's sweet. The thought of violets meant florist shops and bows and pins and perfumed papers fine and garish lights and mincing little fops and cabarets and songs and deadening wine. So far from the sweet real things my thoughts have strayed, and I had forgot wide fields and clear brown streams, the perfect loveliness that God has made, wild violets shy and heaven mounting dreams, and now, unwittingly, you've made me dream of violets and my soul's forgotten gleam. Thanks so much for joining me here on another episode of Learning to Fly the Podcast, and I'll see you again tomorrow.